Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm from a company called B Squared and I'm the host of the Sendcast, the podcast for special educational needs. Each week we talk about a different topic in the world of special educational needs to improve our knowledge, to provide support to professionals working in schools and to empower parents. This is part two of our discussion on the recovery curriculum with my guest, Sarah Jane. A regular on the podcast, Sarah Jane is an author, speaker, consultant, and coach. As I said in part one, this ended up being a really long discussion with Sarah Jane, as often it happens, and this is part two. If you haven't already listened to part one, please go and do that now, as part two won't make any sense without listening to part one first. Back to the podcast. So the final loss that we need to recognise is that our young people have lost a lot of freedom in this period. So we lost the freedom of being able to go out, first of all. That was massive. When we couldn't go out at all unless you were going out for your one piece of exercise per day. And not everybody did that. Although some teenagers, you'd be lucky to get them out the door at all. But But in our case, everybody in our family tends to go out for a walk once a day. And they still did manage to do that, but they couldn't go anywhere else. They couldn't just hop on a train and go and see their friends. They couldn't, well, my daughter can't go and see her best mate at all. And she'd normally be going and staying with her during the summer. And they can't do that. So, you know, it is very different. They lost a huge amount of freedom that they had had before. And you were talking earlier about the freedom to feel safe when you go out and how important that is. And that varies. That's, you know, you're not as safe as you were. Some places you're safer than others. And knowing what that guidance is, is changing from day to day almost, depending on where you are and the situation in your particular locality and whether you're shielding or if you're not shielding and what your conditions are and what your family's condition is. And, you know, the freedom to just go out and not worry about it. We always just just used to assume you could just go and do things. I suppose one of the big differences is strangers are strangers. You don't trust them, but you kind of look at everyone and go, yeah, we're all all right. Now you're now going, don't trust any of you. You're looking around places, you're going, are you from one of the areas locked down on holiday? Have you washed your hands? Have you got yeah. a mask on? You're, you seem to be quite hot and you're, are you ill? Why are you out if you're ill? And you're literally just watching people and you kind of, just with everything going on, you look at people slightly differently. Absolutely. You're in a shop and you're like, you're a bit close to me. Why are you so close to me? Get away from me. And if they're not, you're going, you then start making judgments on people. And one of the interesting things I saw quite early on was a post on our local area was going, my husband's 60, he doesn't get social distance, he doesn't do this, he has Alzheimer's. And uh, all those conditions, Alzheimer's, um, another one I've forgotten, memory loss beginning with D. Dementia. Dementia. Those people, you can tell them everything Stay away from people. Put a mask on. Don't do this. And then they'll go out for a walk without a mask on. They'll walk up to you. They'll say hello. They'll you going. And that will just can make someone else have a really bad reaction to that. And they're going, why are you shouting? I'm just off saying hi. And, Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of um, difference, a lot of the freedom of everyone and a lot of judgment being made. Mm. There is one positive thing, though. So whilst we're socially distancing and going on our walk, 
for those of us who actually quite like keeping a distance from people normally, having the freedom to be able to cross over the road and zigzag over and still wave and smile and not be regarded as being socially inappropriate for wanting to walk on the opposite side of the road from somebody, that is a good thing. So the concern is people yeah. walking into the road, obviously, because that's not good, but actually being able to have that ability to just have a bit more space isn't always a bad thing. And I do think there is a certain level of sense of humour as you all realise you're trying to stay away from each other, but you're all on different sides of the road, walking different directions at different speeds with cars going down the middle and then your child falls over and everyone, everyone's planned to cross over in different ways. It's all just had to change because that child's fallen over and they've all stopped. Well, actually, which way do I go now? There's a certain level of entertainment we've all had. Absolutely. And you've got to take your fun where you can. You know, I think that's that's been an absolutely joyful thing. So those are the five losses that we've talked about. Let's move on to what we can do about it. So what are the things that we can do that will make it better? What are the five levers? What tools have we got that can really help? So the first lever is relationships. And we talked a little bit about that already and how important relationships are. And when you're getting people back into school, having the start of new relationships and just having somebody who welcomes you into school and says, oh, it's brilliant to see you. I've really missed you. And I know teachers who've just been sitting at home thinking, I really wish I could see them. I really want to see my kids. I really, you know, it's so much a part of them and who they are that they really want to be with them. And as a child going in, knowing that you are welcomed, loved and wanted is going to make you feel more safe, more secure and more able to learn. So building those relationships up again is going to be a piece of work, but it is vital. So that can make a huge difference. And it may be just as simple as a big smile. It doesn't have to be a massive thing. It will cost you nothing. No curriculum adjustments required for a big smile and welcome. <laughs> it's kind of as simple as that. But some people so my, my daughter's primary school, which she's just left, has done a really, really genius, clever thing. They've been able to do this. And that is all the teachers have moved up. Oh, wow. So the children are going to go back to the teacher they left in March. Good. So that teacher already knows them. They've got that relationship. So that's mm. half some of the anxiety mm. gone. You know where they were up to. You know how they respond. You're not learning a new teacher and the children the teacher isn't learning. That was really, really brilliant for me. And not all schools can do that because a year six teacher can't go into year one next year. Very different. But for, the, for various reasons, they were able to do that this year, which has been brilliant. And that can happen in secondaries as well. So we've had, in my kids' example, they had year managers who moved throughout with them. So kept yeah. the same person. So even though subjects changed, their peer groups changed, they were doing different things, that same person followed them through for a number of years. And the more that that can happen now, the better that will be because they're going to need that structure to help them to feel safe and secure. I think most secondary schools, that tutor group is consistent. So going into secondary school, being created by that teacher you know, who knows you, who will hopefully just look at you and have a bit of an insight. It might go, okay, or doing well, great. They will have that insight because they've known you for however many years. So that, that will help a lot. Absolutely. So the other thing to think about is rebuilding relationships with friends. So there are going to be children who are going to be really anxious going back in saying, I haven't seen my friends since February, since March. Do they still like me? Will they still talk to me? So yeah. we need to allow the space and time for those relationships to be rebuilt as well. 
because that will be a new thing. I think remember some 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 families aren't fans of tech, so their child might not have been allowed to use WhatsApp and all the other messages. So actually, could have been quite isolated from their friends yeah. over this time. And people behave strangely, don't they? There's one family I know of who took their child on holiday, but then wouldn't allow them to mix with somebody else when they came back. So. I don't know whether they've been freaked out by being on holiday and all the people there or if they what was going on. They've probably had their own reasons and we don't know what they are. But, you know, it is difficult to be the other side of that and then not have that friendship solid. So there is the capacity for us in schools to allow space and time for those relationships to be rebuilt in. So maybe a little bit longer playtime. It may be being more social in when you're setting work. It may be just allowing people to bubble closer together when they're doing that. Yeah. None of it is impossible. No. We talked a little bit about the importance of having a familiar face, and I think that's really, really important. And there's a wider piece around feeling part of the school community. So it's welcoming people back into the school community and starting that relationship again. That's going to be particularly difficult for people who are moving schools. So... The job of welcoming people back in is going to be a bigger job this year than it has been in the past. I know some schools are having extra days for young people to come in earlier. They come in before the rest of the school. And certainly my children's school always had a first day where only the year sevens and the year thirteens were in. And then the next day they'd have the rest of the school come in. And that's what they did normally. I don't know what they're doing this year, whether they're extending that, but I think that's a really good way of welcoming people in and giving them a chance to settle in and work out where everything is before before the mob arrives, <laughs> before it gets really yeah. busy. Because all of a sudden, having all those bodies in that place at the same time is going to be a bit of a challenge for people who've been in much smaller, much quieter groups. You know, schools are big, big places. And moving from a small primary school to a huge secondary with large numbers of people when you've been told you're not allowed to be anywhere near people, that's a piece of work. So my, my daughter's secondary school, and I know other secondary schools do have done this as well. My daughter, for at least the first half term, will be in the same classroom for all lessons apart from PE and computing. Brilliant. So she doesn't have to worry about moving classes, finding classes. That anxiety has just been removed. Good. She's got, now got space to cope with other anxieties that she's going to come to <laughs> sort of. Well, that's fine. But I think there's something about welcoming people as part of the community one of the reasons why my kids school had the year 13s in was because they were passing on the torch to the year sevens so there was a whole explaining what it was like to be part of that community welcoming the younger ones in in the same way that you were talking about the year sixes buddying up with the year ones they did that effectively in secondary and they did that really nicely so that that is a thing so if there's anything to do with it well I mean uniforms always help it's kind of all of a sudden you put on the uniform and you feel like part of that community. I think that's really helpful in order to reinforce that. But this year, I think we're going to have to try just that bit harder to reinforce those messages. Yeah. The second lever that we've got is around community, and that's a wider community. So we need to think about the communities with families. So families have really struggled, and there's an opportunity for schools to support families in a new way as they come back in. It is going to be vital for schools to know if anything significant has happened with one of their pupils. 
So if one of their pupils has struggled either economically, if they've struggled to get food, that's something they probably need to know. Although I can't imagine many parents wanting that to be the first piece of information yeah. they tell. So building that relationship where you can have that conversation safely and feel secure to do that is vital. You must know if somebody who's come into your school has lost somebody in their family. It is vital that you know that. If you don't know that, you can't support it. And we're, we've got another podcast on supporting pupils with bereavement and those who've experienced death in their families, which we highly recommend you go and listen to as well. Yeah. There's something also really wonderful about supporting and celebrating things that have gone well in families and capturing that. So understanding what a young person has experienced at home and what worked really well for them. So families can tell you if your young person's worked brilliantly online because they loved this particular approach or they loved that particular website that you used for helping them with maths or they loved that particular type of bit that they had on Acorn Academy, you know, the the Acorn Academy, which was the online thing. They loved that particular assembly that was run or they loved that bit of mental health support. Or, you know, your families will tell you what worked. Your families and your children can tell you what worked and you can use that to help support them when they get back in. The third thing that you need to have is what's called a transparent curriculum. Basically, that just means you're going to need to be flexible. You're going to need to make it appropriate for the young person. You're going to need to co-create what they need. And that is a communication issue and a flexibility issue. So you're going to need to be open enough for them to be able to tell you what they need and responsive enough to be able to put together the things that will help them most. We know that some children will come in, they'll think, oh, thank God I'm back at school, everything's normal again, and they'll fly. They'll feel reassured, they'll feel safe, they'll feel secure, and they'll be off to the races and it'll be brilliant. We also know that some will come in and they will really struggle. And they will struggle because of the things that have happened or because of things that are happening to them as they come back in. And we need to be able to identify and support appropriately and tailor to each individual what they need. And that's not giving them far more than they need. That's not creating an anxiety in them that wasn't there before. It's just providing what they need at the right time. So there will effectively be, you can almost think of it as a good old fashioned three wave. You remember the three wave curriculum? So there's kind of the universal. This is what we're going to do to everybody so that they all feel safe and secure and it celebrates them. And, you know, we're going to give that to everybody so that we're all starting from a safe, secure place. Then there's the second bit, which is around people who need just that little bit of extra TLC, just a tiny bit of intervention that's just going to make them make the difference for them. But you won't know what that is until you've spoken to them and had that conversation and given them a chance to unpack and to open up. And it won't be a sit down and tell me how you feel about it. It'll be a, oh, that's interesting. How can you draw out what you, what happened to you? How, what was the best things about what happened? What was a bit tricky? You know, kind of, I found this a bit difficult. What did you like? that sort of thing so far more calm and relaxed and then there will be some people who are going to need some significant intervention that's going to be much longer lasting so anybody who's experienced serious trauma anybody who's maybe even had to leave their home because it's a violent environment you know there are going to be people who are very severely affected so it's around knowing that and making co-creating the curriculum to match what that young person needs that's what we mean by transparent curriculum And for it to to know that you don't have all the answers, you don't have to have all the answers. That's not what's required of you. 
to be able to ask the questions and to be able to say, I don't know, I'll find something. Yeah. And there are people and resources who can help you. So that's really cool. One of the things, interestingly, that people who've been implementing the recovery curriculum have said, they did a, a Zoom with all the members of their youth parliament, of the youth council. And the thing that came out of this one particular school was that what they needed was solid facts on what COVID was and how it's transmitted. Because what they weren't getting from the social media that they looked at or the people that they spoke to was actually straightforward, unmitigated, down the line, facts, as best we know them right now. So even just having that bit of information is a really good place to start because it allays a lot of fears. And if you can do that, you take a lot of the anxiety out. So that's a, a damn fine place to start. Other things you might want to include are having a trauma-informed approach. So if you think from a trauma-informed approach, you think that that might be part of the issue. You're not assuming that it always is, but you think that might be part of the issue. If you approach people with that gentle, nurturing approach, you will be able to help them better. And being able to provide bereavement support when it's necessary, because it will be necessary for some people. Yeah. We'll come on to how that applies to you as teachers as well and parents in our brief podcast the fourth one is around metacognition so that's a new thing that one of the levers that you've got is enabling young people to learn to learn again and you can expect that they will have i don't know if i'll explain how this works so there's a, a wonderful triangle if you imagine maslow's hierarchy of needs that's a wonderful triangle you know we've got different things at each level there's a version of that which is called bloom's taxonomy of learning and I know that lots yep. of professional teachers will be familiar with this. Parents, maybe less so. So at the bottom, the bottom level of learning is about remembering. And we've just talked about how difficult it is to even remember information if you're stressed and anxious. So the bottom level is, can I remember what I've been told? And there are wonderful things about using sound and using songs and using repetition and all those lovely things that we do in schools that really help. So that's the first thing. The second level is to understand so you're getting people to actually understand what that means. The third level is to apply that. So that's great, but how do I use it? So there may be a particular way of doing a maths equation. How do I actually apply that? That's fine. I know, I know how to do it, but what do I use it for? The next level is to analyse. So I've got a problem. What can I possibly use to help me solve this problem? That's the ne next level. The level above that is to evaluate. So I've got four different ways of solving this problem, which is going to be the best one. Hmm. Okay, really good. And then the final one is to create. And we probably wouldn't get there with any of our young learners or many of our young learners, but to start up to create something brand new is wonderful. So you've got all of these things. And some of our children are so creative, it's brilliant. I had a, a wonderful example where even when he was really tiny, my boy had this, saw a problem and he said, right, I'm worried about these birds pooing on your car. It's a problem that all of us suffer from from time to time. And so he came up with this solution, which was basically fitting netting nappies onto each of the birds so that when they pooed, it wouldn't land on the cars. So don't underestimate the creativity of your young people and using that to help inspire them and bring back the joy of learning. Because often when you're being creative, you've got a sense of joy that you don't have when you're just doing the learning by rote. So it's bringing that joy back. And I'm always a fan of a bit of joy, as we know. So that's something you can use. So it's learning to learn. We can, sometimes we have to learn to learn again. If we've been out of the habit of learning or it's been a bit of a struggle or we've been doing it in a different way, 
bringing that social ways of learning back can actually make it far more yeah. fun. Really important. And the final one, the fifth one, is space. And it's physical space and it's space in time. So that's allowing space in the playground for children to actually interact with each other in a way that is natural and normal for them and for that to be able to evolve again, for them to remember how to do that because they may need to remember how to do that because it may not have felt safe before. We need to allow space for them to be able to express the things that have happened. So you might want to do things like have Remembrance Assembly that celebrates the good things that happened, like Captain Tom's walk, like the rainbows that we made, like the, the people who put teddy bears in the windows so that when you went on your daily walk, you could see teddy bears and have something really positive to see. You want to celebrate the good things that have happened, as well as to recognise the things that have not gone well. And there may be some schools where you've lost members of staff. There may be some schools where you've lost students. There will be few and far between, hopefully, but that may have happened. And it may be totally appropriate to celebrate that young person or that member of staff as part of that. But it's really important to focus on what worked well as well as what was difficult. Yeah. And there's something really powerful about having a commemoration that is reinforcing for that community and to know that our community's experience has been varied but we are still part of the same community and that will help people to still feel connected and safe and secure that there maybe their negative experience isn't less valuable just because it's negative maybe their positive experience isn't less valuable just because it's positive that we have to integrate that variety of experience in a way that makes sense and that's going to require quite a lot of humanity from us i think because it's very, so much yeah. easier just to say, oh, well, that wasn't, didn't apply to me. Well, you know, it has applied to somebody and we know. And I think, I think for some children, it's, they're currently looking at how their life is and they know how their friend's yeah. life, but a lot of children, their, their friendship groups have shrunk. They've gone down from having lots of friends to maybe two or three they've kept in close contact with over the time. And then when they go back, it's going to be a lot of learning how others have been affected and actually we've all been in this together as an adult you know that but for a child you always think you're the only one i'm the only one you have no idea what it's like actually every child around the country knows exactly what it's like and it's nice for them to hear about that yeah. and find out that actually in reality by the sound of it my uh last 20 weeks sounds all right actually because my friend had a horrible experience mm. and i think if, if context will mm. help with that Absolutely. And I think storytelling is really important. So this is a wonderful time for our stories to come back to the fore. I'm a real believer in the power of storytelling and play. And those two things, I think, can unlock parts of our experience and parts of our empathy that we wouldn't have contact with necessarily if we're just being very functional about how we do things. So I think it's really important to explore those because it taps into different parts of ourselves and our experience and our relationships in a way that's really positive. So that's a really good place for you to start. Those are the five levers for you to use. I've got a whole set of resources that I want to share with you because, I, you know, you know me, I've got to give you something practical, somewhere to go. I'm never going to leave you with just the, this is what I think you should do. No, you've got, there's loads out there for you. Your problem probably will be not being overwhelmed by the amount of it. But I've got some very specific things that I think will really help you. So we've talked about how important it is to understand and reflect and honour each individual's experience when they're coming back in. 
there's a lovely resource to help you capture the pupil voice for an individual pupil, which uses widget symbols to be able to make that easier to access. And it's from a lovely lady called Lynn McCann at Reach Out ASC. We'll put the details in the show notes so you can just go through straight to the link. And it's called My Lockdown Experience. And what that's designed to do is just to get somebody sitting down and thinking about what was great for them, what they struggled with, and to help them to feel that that is more normal as well. That is part of the purpose of doing that. So that's a really nice resource for you to use. The Autism Education Trust who I used to work for for a long time until I left them a couple of years ago, have done a a stellar job at putting together a wonderful version of Tools for Teachers, the COVID-19 edition. And that, Trust the AT's come up with something really practical for you. They've done a really good job. What they've done is they've put together some specific social stories, which you can use in schools, which are really, really helpful. And what those social stories do is they include facts about COVID in a way that is really accessible and really visual for you to use with students. They've also got some visual timetables and explain how those work because those are really helpful in providing some of that structure that we've talked about that makes people feel safe and secure. And in times of uncertainty, you need more structure, not less, in order to feel safe. So that even pupils who you don't feel need that, and I'm putting need in air quotes, you don't have to need it to think that it's really helpful. In the same way that having signposts up at airports help you to get where you need to go more effectively, visual strategies, visual supports help everybody, whether it's something you need or whether it's just helpful. It lowers the resistance and it makes it much easier and much more accessible. They've also got now and next boards because some people are going to need more prompting and more structure in order to say, right, this isn't just you've done your one lesson today and now you're off and you can go and play Fortnite for the rest of the day. You know, we, we are bringing back some of that routine and some of that regularity. So now it's maths and next it's playtime. You know, it's kind of that we may need that. So you will have some students who need that. They've also got some really nice strategies for people who are hypo or hypersensitive from a sensory point of view. And what we know is that anxiety will make everything fly off the charts in terms of sensory sensitivities. So you may have people who are presenting very differently from the way they're presented when you saw them when school stopped. So you may have somebody who is really happy and calm, who's come back shy and retiring, or who's come back angry, or who's come back really out there and really over the top and you just think you need them to take a quick chill pill you know kind of there are different strategies to help them manage that hypo which is under sensitivity so if they're over looking for more stimulation and hyper if they need calming down a bit so there's some strategies on that there are also communication cards which are vital so sometimes if you're overwhelmed you don't always have the words sometimes you just need something to help you express how to do that and some young people may need very specific cards if they're becoming overwhelmed they may need a timeout card they that's a card they can just put on their desk that says basically to the teacher I'm overwhelmed and I need timeout or the, the other ones that say I need help right now because I'm all at sea and I don't know how to do this you can get them and you can even make them as some teachers have made them as um, Toblerone blocks you know like they put them on yeah. Toblerones and you can just flip them over and they're brilliant for everybody you can use it for everybody in the class you don't have to use it just for a child who's struggling everybody can use these and if you normalize them that's really helpful it's a great strategy but you have to have a safe place for somebody to go if they're doing the i need to wally out of here <laughs> and yeah. if you've got a child who's bereaved they may need to leave they may be overwhelmed they may need to leave that environment for a short while you've got to have a safe place for them to go and a safe person for them to go to 
We'll talk more about that in the bereavement podcast. So there's all of those communication cards are really helpful. Another resource which I found, which I think you will find really, really helpful, is advice for and from children who are shielding. So not all of your children may be able to come back to school. You may find that there are some children who are still shielding because of their health concerns or even health concerns of members of their family. That is something you'll need to be sensitive to. I'm concerned about the guidance on attendance being less flexible than I think we need in September. I think that there is the capacity for school leadership to take a firm role and to be particularly humane in the way that they mark up those particular absences. And I appreciate that it will be difficult to make a judgment decision when you're not fully aware of the situation in each family. But you are going to have to have that conversation in a way that is open and sympathetic and empathetic if you're going to help children get back. Sorry, so the British Psychological Society, BPS, have got some really nice advice and there's a link to that. Another wonderful resource for some of your older pupils, because it does, the pictures in these do look like grown-ups, not like children. But there's a set of things called Books Beyond Words. We've plugged them on just about every Sendcast episode that we've talked about because they're brilliant. Books Beyond Words are wordless books. They cover a whole host of different experiences. They've got specific ones related to COVID and related to what it is, what might happen, what you do if somebody's ill. Talking about providing good quality factual information. These are brilliant because they don't have words. The good thing about not having words is that it gets straight to people's understanding and straight to their ability to communicate without asking them to decode the phenomenological content of the sentences so you can use it with people who have really good language and it gives them the opportunity to contribute what they feel what they experience because it's about their experience it's not about what you tell them and in the back of each of those they've got some really good resources and links to that as well so those are the books beyond words the covid resources and also for parents i'm lovely parents in the audience i know loads of you are teachers and parents and loads of you are just parents and i say just advisedly doing the most important job in the world. There is a fantastic resource from Dr. Tina Ray called The Toolbox of Wellbeing. And it is brilliant. It's, I think, about $12.99. It's a very straightforward, very thin book. And it has different exercises that you can use with your young people or that they can pick up and use with you, which is a nice way of using reverse psychology. They have particular resources to help the young person self-regulate particular resources to help them get moving mentally and physically, and particular resources to help them connect again. All three of those are vital from a nurture point of view and a well-being point of view, and they are separated out by age and stage as well. So they're a particular useful resource. Highly recommend those. And they're really easy. They're really quick and easy things to do. Another thing that I think you might find really, really helpful is to think about how you're going to prepare your children for a return to school. And there's a couple of really good examples that I just want to tell you about. These aren't specific resources, but they are things you can go and look at. There was a film from Thurrock Public Health Forum, which I really liked, which was a general film around going back to school and what it might be like. And it was brilliant. It's on YouTube. So if you just put Thurrock Public Health Forum back to school, it'll pop up for you. And that 
was just lovely. It was really reassuring. It was really straightforward. It explained what bubbles might be. It said some things we know, some things we don't know. It may be like this. It may be slightly different depending on your school. Really good. Another thing you can do, which I've seen some schools do, which is fantastic, is to do a little film. So just take your phone and film the classrooms as they will look so your children can see what they're actually going to be coming back into. They will see whether you've got all the desks facing forward and you've got nobody together, or if you've got round desks, or if you've got them set up in a different way. And one of the lovely films I saw actually had teachers and care staff with masks on and and I'm trying to say pinnies, that's completely the wrong word. What's it called? The plastic overalls for a yeah. special school where they were doing personal care needs. So they said... If you're when you come back in, these staff will be here, they'll be welcoming you, but some of them will be wearing masks and overalls. So you could see what it was like, you see what the playground was like, you could see how it was all going to be managed. And knowing that in advance will reduce massively the anxiety about, oh, what's it going to be like? Where's my coat going to go? Where's my peg going to be? Where will I sit? You know, all of those things that children will worry about. So, really practical, really tactical absolutely love those and none of it will break the bank <laughs> so it's, Excellent. we like cheap and cheerful don't we and finally yeah. kind of getting i'm going to leave you on really positive news because i think it's it's time we started thinking about how wonderful things might be so some of you will be struggling with gcse results that have been a bit wobbly <laughs> that kind of aren't as clear as they might have been and the whole a level debacle has had quite profound impacts on some of our older young people. So the Scottish papers came out and the results were basically thrown out. The A-levels came out and then there was the triple lock and then the triple lock was removed. BTECs are, are all still up in the air and nobody's decided what the results are going to be. And nobody's entirely sure how the GCSEs are coming out. So I think it's fair to say that the exam system is in a, a slight state of disarray right now. But on the plus side... This is an experience that everybody's going through who's in that particular group. So it is a common experience. It's not a good one. You know, it's not a good experience. But actually, people are trying and working really hard to try and resolve those issues and to try and make the best they can out of it. And there's something really important for me about honouring the fact that it is an incredible struggle and some people are struggling much worse than others. I was heartened massively heartened by some of the university's approach to how they were actually unpacking all of that and there will be an opportunity for people to have their exams reviewed and to be able to retake and sometimes you know what taking a year out isn't the worst thing that happens in the world as someone who's had a daughter who's had about three attempts getting there and who's finally got got her place in her first choice university this year pre the a-level debacle it's, you know, taking longer is fine. Sometimes we just need to, you know, try and do the best we can, accept that it's not the ideal situation and then move forward. You know, we get, have our own little wiggly routes through to success and it doesn't have to be a straight line. I think the problem is that right. everybody thought you sit down, you do your exams, you get your marks, you go. And then actually 2020 is not like that. 2020 is is the wiggly path of all wiggly paths. I think it's kind of fair to say we're finding our way through. But there are really good examples. And my daughter's university has been fantastic. I mean, you're going to give them a plug because they're brilliant. If you wanted to just see how I think you should do it, 
how I think to be reassuring to people who are coming into an uncertain scenario is the University of East Anglia, based at Norwich, otherwise known as UEA, they put films online saying, we don't know how things are going to be, but this is what we think we're going to do. And this is how we're going to keep you safe. And this is important to us. And they've done a whole host of different ways of doing that. So there are things, you will have students who've got GCSEs who'll be looking to try and do tours to university. <laughs> and they're, they'll now be doing virtual tours. So lots of universities are doing virtual tours around their environments instead of you physically going, because you might be thinking of yeah. doing that. And those tours didn't happen in June, did they? <laughs> because they would have done this year. They weren't happening. So virtual tours will be a big thing. And because people are used to using that more, that's going to become more familiar. So on the plus side, you're not going to spend shed loads of money and weekend after weekend after weekend schlepping from one end of the country to another to see whether your dearest darling is going to be going to Edinburgh or Cardiff or wherever. You can look at it online first and then go and yeah. see the ones that you know that you want to look at in more detail. So you might actually short circuit that. So that could be a good thing. <laughs> There's always some good, isn't there? Always some good. So there'll be virtual tours. They did a results day infographic, which was absolutely brilliant. It said, if you get this, this is what happens. If that happens, this is what we do. If that happens, this is what we do. Really straightforward, giving every single example of what might happen and what the pathway would be. And that was so reassuring. And I know my children's school actually did that with their GCSE results and how they moved them into sixth form. That is great. Choose to do that. But they had an explanation of how it all worked, which was brilliant. Really, really helpful. So you can do that. You could even do that if you're moving into year seven. You could explain exactly how it's going to happen. And in my view, you can't over communicate these things. Make them clear, make them visual make them straightforward and make them available and that way you'll help people no end it's one of the things i'm hoping that um as you said those virtual tours there's certain things that they're having to do this year i hope will stick because yeah. it 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 reduces anxiety and i think over communicating is never a bad thing because it generally means if you're over communicating that every person in that chain and sometimes you'll have the senior leaders know what's going on, but the other staff in the school don't. If you're over communicating, they now understand, the students understand, and the parents understand, and those who are worrying about what this is going to be like next year can also see. Yeah. So over communicating is never a bad thing. And don't meet all your problems halfway. Sometimes it's good just to deal with something when it arrives. You know, you can drive yourself mad trying to look at all the possible scenarios. Don't do it. <laughs> it's kind of I think if 2020 taught us nothing, it's just that sometimes you can over plan. Although I do like a backup plan. But <laughs> as somebody who planned lots of things in advance, because we did all of our trips out in advance, you know, my daughter had actually been to the university she wanted to go to four times in person before we, she even got her place. So this is not an unusual thing, but we did all that really early. But So it has been an interesting experience. And if I want nothing else for you right now, it is that you can go into this new year feeling that it's a new start and that every year is a new start, everyone can achieve, and we're all starting with an open heart. Yeah, definitely. Yes, we're all in this together. Absolutely. Let's hold on to that one. <laughs> cool. So um, I'm going to wrap up the podcast. It's going to be a long one. I'll probably end up splitting this into two parts. Everything Sarah Jane's mentioned, they're going to go in the show notes. And the show notes normally go into wherever you access the podcast, but they're also going to be on our website, thesendcast.com. 
So a big thank you for listening to the show. Uh, if you haven't subscribed already, you can subscribe by going to our website, www.thesamecast.com. You can also sign up to our newsletter to keep up to date with all the latest news. And you can also find us on all the different social media platforms. So on Twitter, we are at The Sendcast. On Facebook, The Sendcast. On Instagram, The Sendcast. And on LinkedIn, just search for The Sendcast. And in the show notes, I will be putting all of Sarah Jane's various contact details and links to books and all that sort of stuff. So you can find out more about what she's been up to. And if you want to get in touch with me, let me know your thoughts, suggest topics, anything else, please send an email to hello at thesendcast.com. And if you've enjoyed the Sendcast, why not look into the virtual Send Conference? As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this is a conference that, like the Sendcast, is run by B Squared. It covers all aspects of special education needs and disability. And what makes this conference different is that it's accessed across the internet. You don't need to go anywhere. Very COVID-friendly. The conference runs twice a year in March and November, and each conference has 12 highly valuable sessions designed to help you with every session having something you can take away. And sneak preview, Sarah Jane will be talking at the next conference. But I won't tell you what's on yet. You can buy tickets for future or past events. The videos are always available, and the cost for each conference is £60 and covers the entire school, not per person. And as a listener to the same cost, we're offering a 10% discount just by using the code SENDCAST10, no spaces. For information, go to our website, which is www.virtualsendconference.com. If you are a parent, we've also launched Parent Talks, which is a similar approach, but designed for parents. The cost for Parent Talks is £10 per family for all 12 sessions. And there's also an introduction for David and Carrie Grant. And for more information on Parent Talks, you can go to www.virtualsendconference.com forward slash Parent Talks. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Sendcast. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Take care, everybody. Bye.